You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. We wrap up the week here on Listen Up. A very good afternoon. I hope everybody is doing very well. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast with Nando. If you have not had a chance to listen to it, you can check it out on if you don't like that. Can you think of a situation that was handled worse than what we just saw with the Arizona Cardinals and their quarterback, Kyler Murray? Seriously. I mean, think about what has happened. They put an addendum in his contract, right? They put an addendum in the contract requiring four hours of independent study, whatever the hell that is, but people assume it was watching film. Then you have the NFL network, right? They're the ones that broke the story, talked about the contract. They talked about the addendum. Kyler Murray has to come out and pretty much defend himself, talks about what a bunch of nonsense it is, it's in a joke, but would not answer why the addendum was put in in the first place. The Arizona Cardinals then yesterday come out and make a statement saying that they have removed the addendum from the deal because of the backlash and blah, blah, blah. What the hell do they expect? So now Kyler Murray has a label on him. That's the reality, okay? You just gave your rookie, rookie, you just gave your, not rookie, your young quarterback, okay, a new deal. And you have now given him a label that he's going to have to deal with for his entire career. And should Kyler Murray struggle in the beginning of the season, similarly to the way he ended the season, which was dismal, Okay, then what? Murray's going to have to deal with that for the rest of his career, like it or not. That's just the reality of the situation. Think about that for a minute. Think about a franchise that could have handled a situation worse than the Arizona Cardinals. Right? To have that in the contract, four hours, you want to put an addendum in a contract over four hours of studying per week. And here's the other deal. Let's deal with some common sense here. Common sense tells you that the reason why the addendum was put in in the first place is because the Cardinals were not satisfied with the amount of preparation that Murray was 
putting in every week. There's no other way to analyze that. There's one reason and one reason only why the addendum was put into the contract, okay? You don't put addendums in the contract just for the hell of it. You put them in if there's a reason for an addendum. So the Cardinals can come out and they can make any type of statement that they want. Murray can come out and talk about his work ethic, what a joke this is. He can say whatever he wants, okay? The reality here is when you use common sense, there's a reason why that addendum was put in in the first place. And the Arizona Cardinals, I mean, seriously, how bad could have you handled this situation with a quarterback? What's the most important position on a football field? Quarterback, right? I mean, that's your that's your team. That's your that's your main goal to have a franchise quarterback. Now, again, Murray last year had his team go off to a record of 10 and 2. And then DeAndre Hopkins got hurt, and Murray looked like a completely different quarterback. Completely different quarterback. And now he has to deal with this. Not a good way to start off the year for the Arizona Cardinals. And they have no one to blame but themselves. They handle this about as poorly as you can. All right, you're going to put something in a contract over four hours of quote-unquote independent study week. We're talking about four hours. Think about that, right? How stupid is that? Seriously, how stupid is that? So you're telling me that Kyler Murray could do 30 minutes of independent study on a Monday, 30 minutes on Tuesday, 30 minutes on Wednesday, 30 minutes on Thursday, one hour on Friday, and one hour on Saturday. That's what you're, that's what you're doing? So this is, this is something that Murray now has to deal with for the rest of his career. All right? Just the way it is. That's the label that his franchise that gave him that mammoth contract okay, has done. He, they've given him a label. Plain and simple. All right? Plain and simple. All right. Want to hear from you today? Hit your hand icon. Raise your hand. And we will get the show rolling. All right? We wrap up the week. Uh, just a little footnote here. Monday, I will be on at 3 o'clock. Uh, I'm expected to have Ian Eagle of CBS Sports on my podcast coming up on Tuesday. So I'm really looking forward to Ian. He's one of the just great guys in the business. One of the most talented player or talented announcers uh, in all of sport, Ian Eagle. Really looking forward to that. That is coming up on Tuesday. All right, let's get to uh, some phone calls here on this Friday and we check in with Al. Al, hope you're doing well, buddy. And if, I'm sorry, I've been kind of out of touch this week. Uh, I haven't, haven't had a chance to listen to the live show or to your podcast with Nando, which I'm going to go back and do. But I did go back and li listen to some of the live shows. So I hope you don't mind. I'd like to make a couple of comments on some of the things I bought the various shows during the week. Um, sure. My the Randy Johnson, uh, when Ryan was quizzing you, killing the bird, 
I remember that. Yep. And the funny thing is I watched the video and I don't even see the bird in the picture until it just like explodes. That was in ball. Toronto. What that, that was in Toronto, was it not? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, but you know what? My yep. favorite, I don't know if Ryan's aware of this one. John Cruck is facing him in the all-star game. You probably remember this. Oh, yeah. I remember. <laughs> yes, I do. Yep. Hey, let's go yep. take. He, you know, Johnson was nasty, like you pointed out. He let's go to the first pitch gets away from a hundred mile an hour heater, goes 10 yeah. feet over Crux's yeah. head. Crux just, yeah. you guys, I hope if Ryan should Google this, the Crux looking like, what the, he's just got this, say the next two swings, Crux just weakly crazy, barely in a batter's box. That was Remember funny, that? wasn't it? Yeah, that was funny. That was I sure do. That was hilarious. Everybody was laughing, man. That, that, sorry, I interrupted you. The Randy Johnson was kind of chuckling and crucky. Cruck was always a beauty, man. He was he was funny on the on the on the networks. Always enjoyed his commentary. And uh, nice that you got to talk to Bella B and talk some hockey. And you know who yep. the owner of the Colorado Mammoth is? The team that won the lacrosse championship. Take a guess. I, do not. I I have no idea, so just tell me. Stan Kroenke. Well, he owns everything in Colorado, so I should have guessed that because uh, the guy is Mister. Uh, he owns pretty much everything, but I uh, I was not aware of that. But thank you very much. You know, I just was going to say he's had quite a year. He got Super Bowl at the Rams, the Stanley Cup with the Avalanche, and then the title yeah. with the Mammoth. And I was in a yeah, that's pretty damn good. Yeah, he's had a good year. But uh, and lastly, I just wanted to ask you, you know, I, you guys were talking about the Pedro Martinez Don Zimmer incident, and I, for me, it's like yes, I know Zimmer is an old guy, and you were a diehard Yankee fan. And you were like real emotional, like a lot of Yankees fans were during that incident with those teams. But I mean, he's coming at him. You know, I mean, shit. Does Martinez kind of has to? defend himself i know he's an old guy but am i off well you know again i it's a long time ago uh it was an unfortunate incident regardless of which way you go but you know the yeah. fact that uh an older uh an elderly man at that time got thrown to the ground is just a bad look so you know I'm, I, to me it's it's way over with and done don zimmer obviously is not with us uh you know it is what it is so you know we that was a hell of that that was a very fierce rivalry uh the yankees and the red sox i mean that that i i understand trust me i get it i i lived through it you know it reminds me of my man dave stewart for the a's pat corrales was managing the indians i don't know if you've ever seen this if you haven't you gotta google this one pat corrales was trying to get Stu thrown out because he hits cleveland batter and Pacaros argue with the upper, and then next thing you know, he's charging Dave Stewart. And he tries to yeah. Hit, yeah. kick him with like a karate kick. He's a brown belt. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Stu, Dave, hey, you remember this one? Because Stu laid him out with the right yes. hook. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. No question. And, about you it. know, I guess he's kind of an older guy, too. Not, not the same age as Denver, but. If you Google it, the video, you find the one that says the guy scored it, the Kung Fu fighting, that old disco song in the 70s. It's hilarious. 
All right, I'll look it up, buddy. Anything else you wanted to talk about? Good stuff. Good, I agree good with memories you. by you. I uh, know. I, I enjoyed the shows. I still go back and listen to the shows when I miss them. Can't wait to listen to Nando because I was listening to the show the day he did his rant. And uh, I agree with you on the bad look at the Cardinals. I mean, but my question is, why the hell did he sign a contract with, with that language? In? Am I missing something there? Yeah, you're missing two hundred thirty million dollars. That's why he signed a contract. Oh, yeah, you could if you get if you give me a contract, you can put in as many addendums as you want. If you give me a contract like that, and I don't care whether they're true or not, just tell me where I can sign the contract. I got you. All right. Oh, I, I, I get that. I just don't know why he couldn't said, "Hey, yeah. look, you really have to have this language." And it's kind of like I agree with you. It's a bad look in a way. It's like it, it almost yeah. breeds roaches to the old stereotype, which we don't need to. Well, I, I, I blame that on the I blame that on the agent negotiating the contract whose job it is yeah. to go over all the language. I blame that on his agent. That's the agent's job. The agent should have foreseen the problems that this could have caused and they could have worked out a different type of an agreement that would not have been in the contract. That, that that's I blame that on the agent. Yeah, I agree with that. And then lastly, I'll just let you go. Thanks for letting me just catch up with the week. I can't wait for Iron Eagle, man. I can't wait to some good, good low down NFL talk. And he's the, he's one of the best. Him and Charles Davis, they did they yep, they're great. Have a great weekend, Al. Take care. Yeah, buddy. Take care. All right. Yeah, that's coming up on the show on Tuesday, and uh, looking forward uh, to that. All right, let's get to some other phone calls here, and we say hello to John. Hey, John, how are you today? How are you, buddy? Good, John. What's up? Man, Kyler Murray, I can't disagree more with how the the Cardinals handled that. If they really agreed with everything, they should have stuck to their guns and said, check it out, that guy sucked the last half of last season, and I want him to make sure and do more work when not all of his guys are there. They should have stuck to their guns if they really meant it. And that's, that's the reason I think that they did a poor job, not because of Kyler Murray. So obviously, he's an athlete, you know. Baseball, football, he's been good. So I got to agree that, you know, that's, that's the Arizona well, Cardinals. They messed up. They messed up. The Cardinals as an organization, this is a huge blunder on their part. And they now have put a label on their franchise quarterback. They put a label on him. The la and it doesn't matter whether it's true or not. They have now put a label on Kyler Murray that his work ethic is questionable. That's what they've done. Yeah, I agree with that, but I believe that they put a label on themselves, too, saying that, man, we're almost an inept franchise if we can't look into it deep enough. To yep. pay. And, hey, I'm not blaming Kyler Murray. I'm blaming him maybe for his lack of work ethic and crap in his pants the last half of last season, you know, when his uh, some of his main workhorses went down. But he's still probably a pretty good quarterback. Granted, he's young, man. We got 10, 15 years maybe to see how good he's really going to be. But, man, what a terrible look for Arizona. Well, awful. Terrible. Yeah. Absolutely terrible. No doubt about it. Hey, man, listening to Nando this morning was freaking great, Grant. You did it again. Bringing him along and, and you know, Ryan, of course, and, you know, everything, man. It was great listening to him. And even though he's young, He's a pro. His voice, it works great on the radio. He sounds great. You guys sound great together. Man, it's so good of you, Grant. Thank you, John. I appreciate it, man. 
Uh, to be honest with you, I don't even know how old Nando is. I don't even know anything about his age. Um, all I know is he reached out to me and asked me about, you know, doing a podcast. And I basically just told him, go for it, man, do it. You know, you, you were really good on the rant. I think you can do it. Um, make sure that you have a good quality sound. You don't want to be putting out a podcast that doesn't sound professional. I said, make sure you go out and get a good microphone. And, you know, you're going to have to work on your rhythm, your cadence, and it will come with reps. The more you do, the more comfortable you'll get. And I listened to his first podcast and I gave him feedback. Uh, I listened to his first couple of interviews and I gave him feedback. So I, I would do that with anybody. I don't listen. I really believe just like you told me in your profession, uh, if someone comes to you, you're going to help them. I mean, I'm always going to help aspiring broadcasters. Well, I don't ever recall saying no to anyone. I've never said no to somebody that's asked me for advice. I've always, always taken the time to try to help those that are coming up through the ranks. Grant, we're on the same page, buddy. We're on the same page, buddy. Yep. I gotta go. Busy. I'm unloading. Great to talk to you. It's been a great week, Grant. Have a great weekend, and we will talk to you next week. You too. Take care, buddy. Have a great weekend. And I decided to have Ryan on my podcast and I decided to have Nando on my podcast because these are the dog days of summer. There's really not a lot going on. I do have a forum here on a podcast where you can go out and do different things and talk about different things. And to me, listening to a podcast is, gee, that's interesting. Well, okay. It, you know, I'm not doing this for me. I'm not doing this to pat myself on the back. Hey, look at me. You know, I help out people. That's not why I'm doing it. I'm doing it because I think their stories are interesting. And I'm also doing it because I'm sure that there are others that are listening, either aspiring broadcasters or moms or dads that have sons or daughters that are interested in getting into the world of broadcasting. And I'm hoping that by talking with Ryan and talking with Nando, and sharing their stories that maybe, just maybe, I'm able to help out others that are in that same predicament that are trying to put out a podcast or what have you. And both Ryan and Nando, and Nando's been doing it longer than Ryan. Ryan just started. But when you put out a podcast, I was told the same thing. Make sure that you put out a podcast that the audio quality is very good, all right? It needs to be broadcast quality because if it's not, right away you're going to sound rinky-dink and you're not going to get people that listen to the first show to come back again. So that was told to me because I had never done a podcast. I've been in broadcasting my whole life. I kind of knew, knew that, but still, I didn't know what type of microphone to get. And so I had help with that. So even me, a veteran broadcaster of decades, still was looking for some advice when I started to do my podcast. Here's something else I had no idea how to do. I didn't have any idea how to distribute my podcast. Didn't have any idea. Okay. I had no idea how to record my podcast. Nothing. I had to be told. And yes, I looked at YouTube videos and tried to educate myself. Uh, I use 
a app called, you know, Audacity to record my podcast. And I had somebody for the first couple of months assist me in editing my podcast. I would record it. I would send it to them and they would edit it and condense it. And when I mean condense it, not take anything out, but take out pauses in the podcast. Uh, if I had a guest that did a lot of ums and ahs, they would remove that. And it was a professionally sounding podcast. And after I learned the ropes, he said, okay, you now need to edit your own stuff, put it on the platform. This is how you do it. And so I had to learn just like anyone else. What I didn't have to learn was how to broadcast and how to talk. I know how to talk. I've been doing it my whole life. Okay. I, I, I get that part of it. That part I know how to do. But the technical aspects of broadcasting and doing all of this, I was uneducated. I had no idea. All right. And it, 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 at first, when you think about podcasts and you think of Apple and Spotify and all the different podcast platforms, you're like, wow, now how the hell does that work? How do you get your work distributed everywhere? And I, it sounds complex, but it's actually really simple. It's very easy. But I didn't know that. So just like Nando and just like Ryan, who asked me for some advice, I've asked people for advice too when it comes to podcasting. And I still have a lot to learn as it relates to this medium that we're talking about. You know, radio is easy. Radio, I walk into a studio or when I was broadcasting from home during the pandemic, it was very simple. It took me five seconds if I had to walk into the studio and sit down in front of my microphone. If I was at home, it took 15 seconds to turn on my equipment and be ready to broadcast. And then I talk. That's it. That's what radio's like. This, you know, when you're a one man band, it's a whole different ball game. And Nando knows what I'm talking about. Ryan knows what I'm talking about. You are a one man band. Now, Nando has talked about how his girlfriend has really helped him out with a lot of aspects. And I think that's awesome. Okay. So, but you're still pretty much a one man band. My point is, you know, it's coming from within the walls of your home when you do this type of work. You know, we're not Joe Rogan, who's got a, you know, an amazing studio with amazing producers. And I guarantee you, Joe Rogan does not distribute his own stuff. I guarantee you, Joe Rogan's not editing his work when he's done. Okay. We're, we're not talking about that type of, you know, stage. We're not on that type of a stage. We're on the one man band stage. And I'm used to the one man band, believe it or not. I shared the story when I was in college and I had a chance to intern at a commercial radio station at Bowling Green and going to do a lot of the Bowling Green hockey games on the road. Bowling Green was a national powerhouse. They were ranked one, two, three, four, or five in the country almost every year that I was at school and subsequently for the year after. They were a national powerhouse. Many of their players went on and played in the National Hockey League. And I was a one-man band. And I would go to the radio station and I would pack up my equipment and I had to put the telephone in there, the mixer in there. I had to put in this and that. I had to double check. I had to triple check. 
I would get on the bus with the hockey team and we go to Ferris State or we'd go to Lake Superior or we'd go to Northern Michigan or what have you. And I would get to the arena on Friday night. I would set up my equipment. I would make a call to the station. Hey, can you hear me? Are we all good? Boom. Run into the locker room, do a interview for periods one and two, for in between periods two and three. Then I would go find the coach. I would record an interview with the coach for the pregame show. I would do the pregame show. I would announce the first period, the in-between periods, the second period, the in-between next period, the third period, and the postgame show. All right? No one else, just me, my voice, no one else's voice. And so, like, I like being in control when it comes to broadcasting because you're not relying on anyone else. You're only relying on yourself. Now, the only other person I had to rely on was the person back at the studio at Bowling Green who had to air the commercials for me when we took a break. That was their job. My job was everything else. So I've always enjoyed that aspect of broadcasting. I've always enjoyed being in that situation. I really have. You know, a lot of people forget, but for three years, I announced the Kings on radio, not on TV. And it was very similar, particularly on the road games where I'd be all by myself. And I, you know, I enjoyed that too. So, you know, being, being in control of a broadcast is pretty nice. It's pretty nice. And here's the other aspect. Nando can say whatever he wants. Ryan can say whatever he wants. They don't have a boss. They are their own boss. I can say whatever I want, right? Now, could I potentially have a sponsor that wouldn't like what I would say and say, I don't want to sponsor you anymore? I could, I could see that. I would go get another sponsor, right? So the people that I talk with and work with, the people that have reached out and sponsored my podcast, they know what I'm about. They know what my MO is. They know who Grant Napier is, and I appreciate their support. But again, at the end of the day, it's me. I'm responsible for all of my content. I'm responsible for all aspects of this show, all aspects of my podcast, all aspects of Grant's rant. And But I do it all. Now, I don't have help. I do it all. And I'm almost 99% sure that pretty soon I'm going to start doing a YouTube live show. I don't have any idea how to do that right now, but I have been told it's not hard and I'm sure that it won't take me long to figure out. But as I sit here and talk to you on the last show of July, I have no idea. I'll figure it out. You know, I have to figure out what type of background that I want for my YouTube live show. I have to figure out do I want a studio or do I want to use a green screen? So there are things that I have to learn as I go along, but I think it would be great to have a bit, a live video show such as YouTube Live. I have a live show I do on No Filter Network with Sean Salisbury and sometimes with Eric Burns. And, you know, we don't really, we're not that worried about a background, but if I go on YouTube Live and do a show every day, you know, I want to have 
a background that's decent. You know, I don't have to look like I'm at 30 Rock in New York City, but, you know, I want to have a decent looking background. So again, you know, I, I didn't do the podcast with Ryan or Mando to say, look at me. I don't need to say, look at me anymore. I've had a great career. I've been very blessed to announce three of the four major professional sports. I've been blessed to do national radio shows on both ESPN and on the Jim Rome show. You know, I've, I'm, I'm, I don't, I've never been one to say, look at me. I'm not a look at me guy. All right. I do these things because that's who I am. That's what I believe in. And there were people that helped me and still are helping me just so you know, at the age of 63 to learn this medium again, just two years ago, two years ago, I had help from a professional broadcaster who specializes in podcasting and everything else that he helped me a lot. Great guy. Great guy. Uh, his name is Jeff He's in Sacramento. And he was a invaluable help to me. He was great. All right. So just so you know, we all at times are going to ask questions for assistance when we start something new. So all I did with Ryan and Nando was say, hey, I think you can do this, okay? And when they ask me questions, I help them, all right? That's all I did. They did the rest. They're the ones that have the talent. You know, I, I can't put talent in their, in their body. They have the talent. Nando has the talent to do what he's doing. Ryan has the talent to do what he's doing. It starts with that. If you don't know how to communicate and you're not good at talking, then you have no chance in this medium. That's the first thing. So, you know, I listen to Ryan and Nando and I'm like, okay, yeah, you can do this. Absolutely. Here's some advice. Here's some tips. Speak loud. All right. Make sure your audience can hear you. Make sure your quality of your sound is great. All right. Going to develop a rhythm. Get, get reps in. The more reps you do, you're going to develop a rhythm. You're going to develop a style. So don't think that your first show, you know, you're going to sound like, you know, Ernie Johnson Jr. in the studio. That's not going to happen. You are only going to get there with reps. Why do you think Drew Brees failed at NBC? Because he didn't have any reps. He came in off the football field and, oh, I can do this. NBC says, oh, I can, you can do this. No, he couldn't. He wasn't awful, but he wasn't network quality that you would expect, particularly in the booth as an analyst. Why? He had never done it before. He had no reps. Drew Brees came out this week and said that he thinks he can be one of the best because of his work ethic and how he'll work at it. I'm not so sure I agree. I'm not so sure I agree. I think he could improve, but I don't think he could be one of the best. But I'll let him prove me wrong. So, you know, it's not so easy. You know, people like Ian Eagle that I'm going to have on the show Tuesday, they've been broadcasting since they were kids, since they were a kid. Okay. I guarantee you, Ian Eagle was practicing broadcasting, you know, at a very early age. He's now in his 50s. Okay. So he's been, for all intents and purposes, been broadcasting for 40 years. I started announcing games on the playground when I was in second and third grade, okay, seven and eight years old. So I've been broadcasting in some fashion for 55 years, okay? These athletes that think they can just walk off the playing surface and go into the booth and sound like John Madden are delusional, all right? Now, some have the ability and are naturals 
where they can walk off their playing field, ice, whatever, court, and they can do a pretty good job. Okay? I use Vince Carter as an example. I think Vince is a natural, but I did a game with Vince Carter once, and I knew that Vince was going to be really good at broadcasting, but he also was very raw when he came on with me, and I was like, okay, this guy has what it takes, but he needs reps, and once he gets reps, he's going to be a really good announcer. It's about reps. It's like anything else in life, reps. The more you do, the better you get. Now, that does not translate into my golf game, but everything else in life, I would say that translates to, but not golf. All right, let's get to uh, some more phone calls right here on Friday, and we say hello to Ryan. Hey, Ryan, how are you? Doing good, Grant. How are you doing, man? I'm good, man. Everything's good. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, golf, uh, you know, if I could give you some tips like you've given me tips, uh, I'd probably make your game worse. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Hey, um, you know, thank you for the kind words. And, like, honestly, there's so many people out there these days that will say they're doing one thing and, you know, just be doing it for show. And Grant has been absolutely amazing to me. And so, like, listening to the podcast with Nando. And, um, you know, I, I reached out to Nando prior to the podcast, just wanted to connect with him and hearing everything he's learned from you. And I'm not saying that he's learned everything from you, but the most important things uh, on the podcast, and they don't just translate to radio. They translate to life, you know, consistency, rhythm, um, you know, like uh, it, it just blew me away. He, he sounded like a professional and that was the first time I had ever listened to him. So, um, thank you so much for having him on and thank you for what you do. Cause you are actually helping a lot of people out, whether it's Nando, me or anybody else that's not calling into this show right now. So I, I, I think that you really need to know that it is a Well, I appreciate that. I like helping people out. I would help out, you know, anybody at any time when I'm able to. And so that makes me feel good. Again, I want to see you succeed. Nando's already succeeding. And I say for you, because you're just starting, you're really on the ground floor. Nando's now, you know, on, you know, a couple of floors up and, you know, his ceiling's pretty high. I like what he's doing with this podcast. So I want to see you all succeed. Um, and I'm still going to help you guys. If you guys call up and ask me questions, I'm going to help you. So, but, but it starts with communicating. You're a great communicator. Uh, you, you know that you've heard people on this app call man. I love when Ryan comes on with you, boy, he's really good. So you have a gift in communicating Nando. Also, when he came on my round, I go, you can do this. I go, you, you will be able to do this. What you need are reps, get your reps in. And when he fired away with his first podcast, I mean, he would tell you he's improved greatly from his first podcast to where he is now. Why? Because of reps. And now he's almost like a professional broadcaster. And that makes me feel good because I believed in him. He believed in himself. But sometimes we just need that little shove. You can do this. We just need that little confidence. Hey, you can do this. Someone that is in the business taking out time. Marv Albert did that for me. All right. When I was in junior high school, Marv Albert's letter to me told me that I could do this. I mean, I had one of the great announcers 
in the history of New York sports telling me that I was good and that I just needed to do this, 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 and that, and I could succeed. So that was invaluable to me. And it, it's invaluable to us. And, you know, I, I think it relates whether you want to do broadcasting or not. It, it's anything you want to do, you know, having somebody and, you know, I did a short on my podcast today, um, just about your podcast with Nando. And, um, you know, it, it's right. the, the whole pain it forward. And you talk about reps, it's mental reps too, Grant. It, when I, I've listened to you for so many years, like even just in the time that you and I have, you know, had our conversations on your show now, there's little things I'm thinking of and taking notes about, you know, like a, a small thing would be saying, you know, you, you reinforce Ryan, 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 when we're having a conversation and that's the right thing right. to do. And so I've been trying to be better about Grant, 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 when we have a conversation. So the mental reps are just as important as the actual reps. And it's cliche because you see like, you know, hard knocks and everything else with the NFL where it's like, you know, make sure you're taking a mental rep if you're not on the field. But it really is true. So, you know, thank you for everything. I, I can't speak for Nando, but uh, yeah. he sounded so polished and uh, I'm so happy for him, even though we've never met. Um, but, you know, thank you. Well, and the other aspect of broadcasting is you have to understand, and it doesn't really apply to you and Nando because you're doing these uh, podcasts by yourself, but I always took the approach when to know when I'm the lead dog and when I'm not. And when I did games with Bill Walton, which I did for a few years, I realized that Bill was the show and I was just the, just, just, I'm just there. All right. My, I'm, but Bill's the show and you have to acknowledge that Bill is the star of the show and my role changes a little bit. I had the same, same feeling when I went to ESPN radio in Bristol for the first time and walked into the studio for my first ever show with Tony Bruno and Chuck Wilson. And I walked into the studio that day and I was so intimidated. I was so nervous working with two icons of the business on national radio. And I said, hey, my role is just to fill in. My role is the third voice. I'm not there to take over the show. I'm not there to show everybody that I'm a really good broadcaster. I'm just there to get in and keep the rhythm of the show going. Same thing when I do my shows on No Filter were showing Salisbury. I understand that the majority of people that are going to watch a show with Sean Salisbury want to hear Sean more than they want to hear me. I acknowledge that. Sean is a very gifted broadcaster. Sean was great on ESPN, particularly four downs with John Clayton. They were talked about. They were a big hit. They were home runs for ESPN when they did that show together. So, you know, sometimes you also have to acknowledge your role. My role changes. My role with Doug. When Doug joined me on the broadcast was completely different than with Bill Walton. All right. I had to hold Doug's hand. I had to teach Doug. I was Doug's mentor. I did everything for Doug. All right. I continually was giving him broadcast tips. I was continually making him a better broadcaster. He had a gift of being able to talk, but he didn't know anything else. He was as raw as you could be. I mean, Jerry Reynolds will tell you that, you know, I made the show go on TV. I completely disagree with Jerry. I believe Jerry made the show go. I always entered my broadcast 
every night that Jerry and I did a game, I told myself, Jerry's the most important part of the telecast. Well, it's great. And I didn't really know this until almost the end of our tenure together. Jerry always said I was the most important element of the show. So think about that. I went into every telecast saying, Jerry is the man. Jerry's the most important part of the broadcast. And Jerry would tell me, no, you're the most important part of the broadcast. But the fact is that we both thought that just made that a perfect marriage. Yeah, and I would agree with Jerry a hundred percent. I mean, you guys meshed well. I mean, it's the most cliche thing in the world, peanut butter and jelly, right? But and I've talked about energy. Your energy brought something different out of Jerry. And, you know, the big thing for me is you both were always prepared. You may have had different ways of preparing, but you brought the best out of Jerry. If you just had a bland, you know, local sports guy sitting there with Jerry, there's no way. I mean, you're asking questions that, you know, you know, the questions to ask yes, yes. with Jerry's knowledge. And I mean, that only comes with, you know, working together in friendship. But um, no, don't undersell yourself, man. I, I, I'm, well, I'm not underselling. I'm not underselling myself, but I just wanted to let you know what your, your frame of mind when you're working with somebody is totally different than your frame of mind when you're doing solo. I've done a lot of games solo before, but when you are working with somebody, you know, it's, here's the point I'm trying to make Ryan. I've worked with bad analysts before and you can't have a solid broadcast. If both people doing a game are not good and, and, and if they don't mesh together, you have to mesh as a team, you have to mesh a, a play-by-play and an analyst have to mesh in order for the audience to go, wow, this is a really good broadcast. And trust me, I've worked with people that weren't that way, and it becomes really, really, really hard, really hard. So I, I think that's a very valid point, and that's great knowledge. Um, I do have to ask, though. What is more frustrating, raising children or working with Bill Walton? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, I I will tell you this. Working with Bill was one of the great joys of my broadcasting career because Bill Walton is a legend. Bill Walton is the most unique analyst. I mean, you could say Dick Vitale. I'd say Bill Walton. The point is there's only one Dick Vitale. There's only one Bill Walton. And here's what I loved about Bill. Bill would always come up to me when Bill was working for NBC, when he was doing a Kings game. And Bill would always walk over to me and sit down with me and ask me questions for his broadcast. And this was before I ever did a game with Bill. And I used to think, wow, this is great. You know, Bill is going around asking questions to prepare himself for the game. But he's he's doing that with everyone. I just thought, man, that that, that was just incredible. Because I, when the Kings were really good, they were on national TV all the time. Bill was the only network analyst that ever came up to me and asked me questions about the Kings. So I always really appreciated that because he was always going to be prepared when he went on the air. But when Bill and I started doing games, we'd be sitting on the bench like an hour, hour and a half before the game. And I would say, Bill, how about if I talk about this on air? And Bill goes, don't ask me now. I'm like, okay. He goes, don't, don't, don't tell me what you're going to talk to me about. I'm like, okay, I understand. 
He wanted everything to be 100% spontaneous. He didn't want to have anything rehearsed. He didn't want to have any idea what we were going to talk about. He wanted the broadcast to be organic, spontaneous, and I loved that about him. Bill would have no idea the questions I was going to ask him. Just for the record, everything with Bill was based on something he said. I didn't have anything planned when I was on the air with Bill. Everything that I react, everything was a reaction because there's nobody on planet Earth that has any idea what the hell's going to come out of Bill Walton's mouth next, right? So I would always just play off what Bill right. said. And I used to laugh a lot when I was doing the games with Bill. I would be announcing the game and laughing my ass off, just like the audience at home. Now, Bill also, in all fairness, half the people hated him, half the people loved him. He was not and it, he was not everyone's cup of tea, right? Not a cup, not everyone's cup of coffee. He was beloved by many and hated by many. There were a lot of people that could not stand Bill Walton and couldn't even watch him do games. I enjoyed it because it was fun. The Kings were a miserable, horrible team when Bill was doing the games with me. And Bill made the broadcast very easy for me because it went by so fast. Two and a half hours was gone in five minutes because we were laughing and I was laughing the whole time. So I actually enjoyed it. Well, and that's that's really cool to hear. I mean, um, I actually know Bill as well. Uh, his son was on the same basketball team as I was um, in college. And, uh, you know, he's just what people don't get is he's a goofy guy. And I will tell you this, Grant, I wanted to go cuss him out the first time I was on campus and we were in practice because he was a Kings hater during that 2002 series. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was really, really down on the Kings. And, um, you know, it, it, it's just he's a he's a different cat. I mean, there's no uh, there's no yes, other is. way to put it, but he's a great cat. I mean, he had never met my parents once in my life, but we went to his house and he's like, Ryan, tell your parents that I say hello, you know, and it, no, I'm serious. And it's like, dude, you <laughs> right, don't even right. know my parents, <laughs> yeah. but he, he's just a different right. dude. And I, I appreciate, you know, being spontaneous and whatnot. So, um, yeah, in, in terms of, you know, working with somebody else, whether it is on radio or whether it is on TV or whatever the medium may be, what do you think the most important thing to working with somebody is? Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That's a fabulous question. The most important thing, I think, when you work with somebody is spend as much time as you can with that individual prior to the broadcast so you're each very comfortable with one another and you get an idea of how they speak, how they think, and you develop a friendship before you get on the air. Because I think as a duo, if you sound like friends, let let me rephrase that. If you are friends, it's going to come across that way and the broadcast meshes better. So I think that is the most important thing. I always used to spend a lot of time. You know, Doug Christie and I used to go out to dinner every single night, pretty much on the road. Every night. We were together all the time. We did a radio show together, but on the when we were doing games, I would take him out. When I mean I would take him out, I wouldn't pay for his meal, but we would go out, all right, and we would talk. <laughs> a lot about broadcasting. And he would he was always asking me, Napes, what can I do better? Napes, what about this? And I would be very frank with him. And I taught him a lot. And that's another reason why I'm so disappointed in him for completely throwing me under the bus back in June of 2020. Right. Um, I, I, I just, it's just, he, he was a coward. And I called him that, okay? He was a coward. And he knows it. And I have text messages that maybe someday I'll publish that would show that what he did to me was unforgivable. When I needed him, he was silent and he knows who I am. He knows how I was raised. We used to talk about it. He knows about my father. We used to talk about it. We used to talk about his upbringing. He knows how I am. He knows who I am. And for him to remain silent is unforgivable. Just the way the uh, folks at ESPN did Doug Adler is unforgivable. I mean, there's just no other way to say it. I mean, you just can't let somebody drown without throwing them a life preserver. If you have a life preserver at your foot, all right. If you have a life jacket right at in your hands and someone is drowning in front of you, you got to throw the life jacket at them, right? I mean, that's what you do. And I feel like Doug didn't do that. And I just think what I thought his lack of anything was cowardly. And so that's, um, you know, again, I spent I spent hours and 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 hours mentoring him. All right. And helping him in every aspect of broadcast. We played golf together all the time. All right. We were together all the time, but I want to go off on a little tangent here. All right. We talk about what's right and what's not right. So here's a column yesterday by Phil Mushnick still about the firing of Doug Adler. I want to read this. Once upon a time, not long ago, just before the world went nuts, he'd have spent this week in Washington, the volunteer instructor for the Washington Tennis and Education Foundation serving poor black kids. He coached these kids for three consecutive summers, neither asking for or receiving a dime. 
an All-American at USC. He was in the area as the in-stadium radio voice of the men's and women's city open. And then five and a half years ago, based on a mad rush to politically correct misjudgment, ESPN fired Doug Adler as a racist. The city open, though not an ESPN event, was once a steady gig for Adler. But the stain of racist, no matter how preposterously, 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 you want to say this word for me? Preposterously applied is not easily, if ever, removed. There you go. Adler, once a busy man over the tennis broadcasting landscape, now can't land a gig nor catch a break as if having the truth as your defense is catching a break, a matter of luck. I'm not giving up on this one, only because I can't. In my 40 years writing this column, I've never encountered such a hideous miscarriage of justice and gutless abandonment of common sense. As you might know by now, Adler, 64, was fired on the spot by ESPN as he worked his ninth Australian Open as an analyst. Falsely accused by a reckless New York Times stringer armed with a Twitter account that ID'd him as a Times correspondent. It became an overnight fact that Adler, for no known reason, racially degraded Venus Williams by calling her a gorilla. He then writes, so Ben Rothenberg, covering the 2017 Australian Open for the Times, made a splash. He tweeted that Adler said what he never did. Adler had complimented Williams, saying that by rushing the net, she'd surprise her opponent with the gorilla effect, charging. Gorilla, in this case, is spelled G-U-E-R-R-I-L-L-A. All right? He says a common tennis expression. Right. He did not call her a gorilla, and I'm going to write the spelling of how he writes this. He did not call her a gorilla, G-O-R-I-L-L-A. Still ESPN freaked out. Oh, my God. The New York Times may claim we're racist. Off with his head immediately. So ESPN rushed the fire rather to hell with facts, the truth, and his long, unimpeachable service to ESPN. Adler, who soon suffered a heart attack, lost his career and reputation to a lie. In an email to me last year, Rothenberg insisted that Adler called Williams a gorilla, though he was unable to explain why. Yet he wrote, quote, only Doug will ever know what he meant to say there. Oh, really? But Rothenberg had already determined and disseminated his conviction mm. that Adler meant to call her a gorilla. As for guerrilla warfare tactic by suddenly attacking the net, Rothenberg wrote me, it is not, as you've erroneously written, a regularly spoken term in tennis whatsoever. It's just not. Rothenberg must have missed or ignored an entire 1995 Nike ad campaign in which Pete Sampras and Andre Agassi played guerrilla tennis. Again, he spells guerrilla, G-U-E-R-R-I-L-L-A. Just for the record, if you remember, that commercial was shot on a makeshift tennis court in front of the Plaza Hotel on Fifth Avenue in New York City. I added that. That's not in the story. He continues to write, and late New York City Mayor David Dinkins, a tennis freak, in a 2018 interview with NBC News claimed he knows gorilla as a common and useful tennis term. Interviewed by Matt Lauer, Dinkins shook his head in disbelief at what had befallen Adler. But 
the kicker came when Rothenberg wrote me that gorillas, however, do charge. Not sure if he meant gorillas charge while playing tennis, only that they charge. According to Rothenberg, this was proof Adler called Williams a gorilla, even if he admittedly didn't know what Adler meant. So as no one, not Venus or Serena Williams, anyone from the tennis world, including media, sponsors, Nike, current and past players, execs at ESPN, Disney and the Times has stood up or even leaned slightly forward to rescue this man from Devil's Island. Race issue? Even a nonsensical one? Run for your life. And I'm tired of ESPN staffers whispering to me that they agree. ESPN did Adler dirty. Don't tell me. Tell your boss, Jimmy Pitaro. Now Adler approaches his sixth year of his life sentence, convicted overnight as a racist by a mad rush to injustice that tactically approved by the cowardly silent. Venus Williams is scheduled to play in D.C. this week. Though a proponent of civil rights and racial justice, she already spoke to this issue. She's not interested. Yep, let him rot. This week, Adler used to be in D.C., volunteering to coach poor black kids, then working the in-house broadcast. He figured the goodwill and high regard he'd engendered at the city tournament eventually would be worth something. The way he figured the truth would eventually free him. He was wrong. You can't shame the shameless. How about that story by Phil Mushnick on Doug Adler? By the way, if you want to Google Grant Napier with Doug Adler, I think you'd enjoy listening to a podcast that I did with Doug about a year and a half ago. Doug Adler was drowning. Nobody threw him a life jacket. And what happened to him is one of the biggest travesties that I've ever seen in canceling someone. Okay. The travesty of the firing of Doug Adler by ESPN goes down as arguably the biggest travesty that I've seen when it comes to cancel culture. So we talk about remaining silent. We talk about knowing, okay, and you're letting somebody rot. You're letting Doug Adler rot, and everyone in the sport knows that what he said was gorilla effect, okay, not G O R, but G U E R, and nobody wanted to come out and speak on the behalf of Doug Adler. Leave it to Phil Mushnick to write the truth and put it right out there. So back to Doug, you asked me a question and I've gotten off on a 15 minute tangent here. I think it's invaluable to spend as much time as you can with somebody so that when you're on the air, you're aligned at the hip and you know that individual, they know you, you know how they think, they know how you think, they, you know how they talk, they know how you talk, you know what they believe in. They know what you believe in. I believe that is essential to having a really good broadcast. And I always did and always worked. I always worked much harder in that area than I did in actually preparing for the game. So I'm not usually speechless, but I am right now after listening to that, even though we we know cancel culture that is going on right now. but. Let me ask you a question. If you're willing to answer it, great. If not, just tell me to F off. But how is that any different from you? It's not. 
It's not any different than me, but I don't like to pat myself on the back and go, look at me, look at me, look at me. It's not any different than me. What happened to Doug Adler is a travesty. And what happened to me is a travesty. I always try not to be self-serving. Okay. I always speak the truth. You ask me a question, I'm going to answer it. Okay. What Doug Christie did to me was cowardly. Okay. He knows who I am. The amount of time we spent, we actually played golf that morning of the night that I made the tweet. Doug and I were together all the time. All right. Doug would always ask me how my wife was doing. All right. My wife and Jackie had uh, at social gatherings would always talk. Okay. Uh, Jackie was fascinated that my wife went to Africa one summer and volunteered for day in Zambia. All right. Went with her sister and other gals and they went around the country and their job was to help out uh, women who were it's a whole different world over there. I can't, I'm just going to tell you, my wife spent two weeks in Zambia volunteering and Jackie, when they talked about it, was fascinated by my wife's stories. Fascinated. They spoke for an hour one night about my wife's trip to Zambia. So again, our background, okay, is the Christie's know all about our background and Doug knows all about my background and Doug knows what I stand for. Doug knows what I believe in. And for Doug, to totally remain silent was exactly what happened to Doug Adler. So is it any different? No, it's not really different. It's the same thing. It's both wrong, both the travesty, and both is a microcosm of what the hell is wrong in America today. That's really the reality of the situation. Yeah, there, there's a difference, Grant, and you're, uh, wow, I, I, I know your story. Um, you know, I didn't know about your wife going over to Africa, but, um, you know, like it, it seems, you know, business, it's always trying to get a step up on the next person, right? That That's the idea of business, you know, being competitive. But when you start throwing other things into that to get a step up or, you know, undermine or use a situation to undermine, um, that's a whole different story, yeah. especially if yeah. you're mentoring somebody or it, it doesn't actually know I'm wrong. Um, you know, it doesn't matter if you're mentoring them. You you just shouldn't do that. And that's yep. um, no, just wrong. A one footnote to that story. All right. Because this is going to be self-serving now, but it has nothing to do with me. You're not so, self-serving. Stop. Well, well, but but my my wife, when she was in Zambia, met this lady. And make a long story short, the next winter, my wife arranged for her to come to the United States. And she spent two weeks in Northern California, one week at my wife's sister's in Santa Rosa, and one week at our house. Now, I wasn't at home that week. I was on the road with the Kings. So I didn't get a chance to meet this lady. My wife took her to a concert at the Golden One Center. It was a big country music artist that I was able to get tickets through, through our company, which owns KNCI. All right, the tickets were very hard to get through. We also got backstage passes. So this wow. individual could meet. She had never been to a concert before, never been to an arena before. This wow. was an entirely new experience for her. So like, we believe in changing people's lives. I believe in changing people's lives. That's why I started my foundation in the early 2000s with another gentleman named Joe Namath, not the quarterback. And Joe and I started the Future Foundation of Sacramento because we wanted to change people's lives. The vast majority of people 
that came through our foundation were not not the vast majority all of them were at need underprivileged okay most of our students were minorities most of our students were either black hispanic or asian we also had some white students in our group as well all right i believe in changing people's lives i believe that if you're in position to change someone's life you need to change someone's life my wife believed in that okay for her to take a person that she just met and have her come over to the united states and show her around and be with her and here's something else that she did this you, you, my wife went to the store she went to the dollar store and she bought all of the readers because they didn't have those in zambia for the people that had issues with their eyesight all right so she wow. bought a bag all of these readers and sent these home with her with the other things to zambia which they did not have my wife told me she also would go buy a soccer ball and when she went into these different towns and she gave the soccer ball to the kids it was like they had a new lease on life because they didn't have a soccer ball and as soon as she gave them the soccer ball they were kicking it around so you do little things for people you don't realize how lucky we are in the united states and yeah we all have problems but by and large when you travel around the world and i've been blessed to travel around the world and you go into impoverished areas and you see how people live you can't freaking believe it and a little thing like a reader that you just take for granted when you are reading a book or you're looking at a anything and you're like wow now i can see little things like that you just take for granted so you know that's a footnote so again it's about you know like what i do with you and about nanda you know what it's just like you try to help people like what the hell is why would you go through life and not try to help someone if somebody comes to you and genuinely asks for help if you can help someone help somebody like i that the people that say no the people that are standoffish the people that don't have time for other people screw them like they're bad people i don't deal agreed. with them you know agreed um yeah i mean you've given us our soccer ball basically um just with your knowledge and uh we we sponsor somebody his name's benji um it's through um a program at our church and every christmas or when his birthday comes up we get you know a, a booklet of what we can buy for them and i will tell you 90% of the things that are in that booklet are things that everybody listening has in their house right now. Love it. I'm just telling you, it's unbelievable, isn't it? It's unbelievable. It's crazy. And they're so grateful. And um, I love that. Know, it, 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 it's just I love that. making a difference, however you can do so. So, um, well, you know, that's what, that's, what's unfortunate about, you know, I guess social media or culture this these days. Like I, yep. I don't know what yep. else to say. Hey buddy, you have a great weekend, all right? You too, brother. I'll talk to you soon. All right. All right. Always a great conversation uh with Ryan. All right, let's get to uh some more phone calls right here on Listen App. And we say hello to Waggus. Hey Waggus, how are you today? Good, good, Grant. How are you? So I'm good, buddy. So so I was kind of listening to that. I'm kind of in shock because, you know, I remember listening, you know, I listen to your show every day, right? Especially during the Doug Christie era. And, uh, you know, I, I really thought you guys were good friends. I, I even remember a time when Star, uh, your wife, came to, I think, the studio 
and she, you know, she brought you some food and, and, you know, Doug would talk to her and eat food. And I also even remember one other instance where this was earlier in the pandemic, where I think you were doing a show from the home and you like one day you had your wife on the show with you and Doug and the other day he had his wife. on. Yes. So, yes. yeah, no, yeah. So, yeah, no, no, no. I, I listen to you every day and uh, it, it, yeah, you guys were really, really, truly friends because. I think you were even a better friend with him than maybe, you know, even Jerry at points, right? Because you guys just had that, you know. Well, we were, we were the same generation for the most part. I mean, I mean, for by and large, Um, but you know, when Doug played golf, Jerry didn't play golf, you know, you can really form quite a bond on the golf course. Golf is a great way to, you know, develop friendships and everything else because you're out there and you're not on your phone and you're, you know, you're, you're talking for four hours. So I consider Doug one of my best friends. You know, I, I thought Doug was one of my best friends. Well, you know, you learn when you go through uh, these type of situations, you now learn who your real friends are in life and who your, your, your friends that you thought were real friends aren't. So I've learned that. I now know without any shadow of a doubt who my real friends are. And I've talked with other people. I've talked with Doug Eiler about that. I've talked with Sean Salisbury about that. I've talked with others, you know, that have had bad experience and you go through a bad experience and we all are going to go through those in life, whether it's a divorce or whatever the case may be, or, right. you know, whatever you, you learn who your real friends in life are. So I now know who my real friends in life are. So for that, I'm grateful. Yeah. And, and I remember one time and got grant, I don't know if you're going to remember this or not, but I remember this. Okay. There was one time there was a caller that came on and, and there was some talk going on. This is during the Colin Kaepernick era early on, or yep. maybe after that. And I remember, Doug, after that call, had made a comment, well, you know, you know, that guy sounded like, you know, he was white and, you know, so he doesn't understand coming from that side of the, you know, but after that, I think you guys went to break and your Twitter just flooded, right? So when you came out, I remember that. Yeah, I remember when you, you actually said, okay, we want to address this because that's not what Doug meant. So you, so I remember you standing up for him a little bit right there. I sure as hell did. I remember that like it was yesterday because I said, Doug. I'm going to tell you right now, you need to address this. I go, you need to explain what you meant by that, because if not, this firestorm is going to continue. And we came back and I gave him the platform and let him do that. That's exactly right. I bailed his ass out. That's exactly what I did. I remember that moment. And also, also, and and I know you're feeling towards Kaepernick the way he did it. All right. Yeah, I totally am against what he did. Yeah, yeah. But you, you also defended DeMarcus Cousins around the same time. You said, okay. You like you, you understand Kaepernick's point, but the way he did it is wrong. And then you brought up an example of Demarcus Cousins, where you know he basically you know did it off off the court. He had like a group of cops around that time in, in his hometown, Mobile, Alabama, or somewhere. And I think you made an example of that. I don't know if you remember that or not. You have an you know what you have an amazing memory. You yeah, really I, do. Your memory is unbelievable. And I will tell you, not only did I do that. For yep. DeMarcus Cousins, I said that when I was hosting the Jim Rome show. I yes. said that on national radio all yeah. over North America. Yes. <laughs> yes. You're unbelievable, dude. You, yeah. you're, you're freaking amazing. I spoke of how great a thing that DeMarcus Cousins did in his hometown with a yes. town hall, a city town hall with the local police department. And I said, you know what? I go, if you want to make a difference in your community, that's the way you make a difference. And I complimented him without with with all the shit that he and I went through. Yeah. I still was always going to call it the way it was. And I went on national radio 
and used him as an example of the right way to do things. Yes. And, and, and you know, you, you always have complimented Cousins on his off the field, you know, because he has done, he has been generous, right? Yes, but I have. Has, Absolutely. Yeah. And, 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 and one other thing, and I remember this because, you know, this was really your show, but I remember that, you know, you even said at one point, you know, even though I disagree with how Wade Kaepernick did it, I'm not going to talk about it. But because Doug, I want to be his equal. If he wants to talk about it, I'm going to give him the platform. So you always give him that respect, which I kind of thought always. was, you know, like you didn't have to do that, right? So, uh, yeah, so it, it's it, it's just unfortunate because I always thought Doug Christie, you know, you know, growing up watching him, I was a little kid watching him. And I was, you know, he, you know, I mean, I, I think the guy's a great guy. I, I really do. I mean, you know, he, he says everything the right way, but for him to stay quiet like that it's it, it, it kind well, of i have no nice. respect for him i i, I have no I, respect I for the man anymore so I, I lost all respect for him and i just think you know again uh there are some things you forgive there are other things you don't forgive i i'll never forgive that i just yeah, I, I and, and again i have i have a lot of messages that i have saved uh on uh from from, from between doug and i from sunday may 31st of 2020 until Tuesday afternoon when I was notified that I was being fired by KHDK. I have numerous, numerous text messages that Doug sent me and I sent him back and forth. Uh, and we also had numerous phone calls during that period of time. And if you read my, if I, if you read, the, if you read my text messages between Doug and me during those hours, you wouldn't believe it. You would think, oh my God, Doug's going to be there for Grant. Doug's going to be doing. Doug was full of shit with his messages to me during those two days, and that's another uh, thing that I know that nobody else knows. And they just make their own, you know, they 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 make their own decisions based on what they think without knowing the facts. I have the facts. The facts are in the text messages between Doug and I during those two days. And you know, it's. I'll tell you this: if those messages ever become public. That's going to look really, really, really bad for Doug. I'm just telling you, though, that that is not going to be a pleasant day for Doug if people ever see those text messages. And I'm not blackmailing. I'm not. not that's not what I'm doing. All I'm saying is I know the truth. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, and and it, it's just um, un, unfortunate. Now, now one last thing, um, because I felt like he should have said something publicly. He should have gone on that radio and should have defended you in some kind of way, right? Just like how Carmichael, uh, yes, Dave did. I I, I remember yes. listening to that. You know, he didn't take any questions. He said that he's still going to continue to talk to you. He considers you as a friend. Because I, I, I remember those days because that was, you know, obviously going up watching you, right, and watching Jerry and the whole Kings, you know, obviously we were kind of tuning in. But I'll say this. Okay, so I know you never really had a good relationship with Chris Webber because you criticize him because you know how some players in the NBA, they take it and they can't take it well like Cousins or Webber. Correct. And, and Correct. and I and I disregarded what Matt Barnes said because I never considered him a king anyway. So you know he he was what here a year or two years right. So but like I know you were close to Vladi Divac and Peja Stokovic. Did they like reach out to you personally or? or yes. Or, or, okay. Yes, right. they both did. Yes. Okay. Uh, okay, just so you know, yeah. Chris Weber and I had a weekly radio show for every year that he was in Sacramento. I remember. All right. That. So. Yeah. So, so, you know, Chris and I's relationship was, he was extremely sensitive yep. uh, to criticism. He thought that he was above reproach and I had no problem going on the air and criticizing him when it was justified. And, you know, we got into it a couple of times, but he would still come on my show 
And he even came on my show when he was working for TNT the last time we ever talked, which again is available to anyone that wants to listen to it on YouTube. And so, you know, again, I don't have to defend myself with these type of things. People that have listened to me, I've always tried to call it the way it is. I'm not afraid to criticize. I'm not afraid to, you know, I didn't go on the air and say Chris Weber was a bad person. I didn't go on the air and bring up Chris Weber lying to the grand jury. You know, I didn't go personal. I just, it was based on playing basketball, you know, and so, unfortunately some athletes can't handle criticism. Yeah. And, and last thing, even during the Maloof era and during Vivek Rondrevi's horrible, you know, you know, basketball venture that he's had, you have always tried to hold back on the criticism because I felt like there were times where you wanted to, but you didn't with some of the decision-making he had on basketball wise. Right. So, well, you know, listen, when you're, uh, I was in a difficult situation at times yeah. on the radio and I was honest about this. I mean, I was an employee also of the Sacramento Kings yeah. and you know, it's very difficult to go on the radio and rip the shit out of the owner of the basketball team. You know what I mean? Like there are certain, there are certain boundaries that you really got to be careful you don't cross. You can go up to it, but you can't cross it. And that's right. that's a very fine line. And again, I didn't apologize for that. Anyone that has common sense can understand the position that I was in. I can be critical, but I I I, ha- I, I have to be careful that I don't cross that line, right? Right. Yeah. No, no I got you. And, and, you know, Vivek had a chance to stand up for you too, because obviously he, he knew who you were. He was around you. But I'm guessing he never tried to reach out or nothing. I reached out to him, but he didn't even respond to me. Well, it's, it's, it's unfortunate. Didn't even respond to me. Didn't even respond to me, but here's the deal. Your, your, your recollection of these things blows me away because every single thing that you've said happened exactly the way you stated it. And the fact that you remember me going on the Jim Rome show, and what day of the week it was to publicly support DeMarcus Cousins for his city, uh, for his town hall meeting in, in Alabama blows me away that you remember that. Yeah, and, and, and you know, like, like there were some people like, you know, friends of mine, like, why isn't Grant supporting Kaepernick? I guess it, I think Grant sports Kaepernick's initiative, but he, he doesn't like yes. the way he did it. There's a big difference. 100%. Yeah. You know, it, I absolutely. Yeah. yeah it, it, and I remember there was one caller around that time, you know, that this was during when Kaepernick's tryout, right? Where, yep. you know, um, you know, he asked you, okay, if Kaepernick makes an apology, it says something like, I didn't mean, I didn't intend to do it this way to hurt some people. You even said, you'll be willing to forgive him if he comes out with a absolutely. apology. Yeah. So, you know, I do uh, not believe, I do not believe that protest should be allowed in the workplace. Yes, I'm against exactly. that. Can you imagine if we lived in a country where employees were able to protest whatever they wanted when they went to work? Can you imagine what chaos that would cause in office buildings all over America and everything else? Think about that, right? I am, I don't believe that that should be allowed. I do not. And I was against him protesting. And that's why I used the Marcus Cousins as an example. I go, that's the way you do it. I go, do what DeMarcus did have a a town hall meeting with the local police department and get the whole community together and make a difference that way. Don't make a difference by protesting at work and you become a big distraction for your teammates. And anyone that says he wasn't a distraction for the other members on the 49ers has no idea what pro sports is about. Hell yeah, he was a distraction because that's all anyone talked about. And I made the point that if Colin Kaepernick, you know, wants to uh, protest 
for a uh, something that he's against, or fine, that's what our country's founded on. Go protest, but do it the right way. Don't go and protest at work. He could have had a press conference, yes. you know, anywhere he wanted in San Francisco. He would have had a, every member of the media there, and he could have the spoken out on what he. Yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah. And I so that's that's the only problem I had with Kaepernick. I also had a problem with him wearing socks one day depicting yes. cops yes. as pigs. And I yes. called him out for that. I'm like, yes. you know, wait a minute. You have a starting quarterback of the NFL that's on the practice field wearing socks depicting police as pigs. And I called him out for that because that's just yeah. awful. That's terrible. You know, yeah, so, you know, again, I, I'm not afraid yeah. to criticize. Because if you're trying to, uh, you know, solve an issue with the cops, you know, in, in you know, minority communities, you certainly don't insult the entire cop base, right? So because Thank there you. are a lot of good cops out there, right? So I there sure you know, are. at the end of the day, you know, context matters. But unfortunately, in the world of social media, you know, the clickbaits and Christy would mention this more times than not on the show with you, where there would articles come out and Doug would say, yeah, people are just clickbait now. And And, and last thing I'll say is you even went to the point to even say that you truly believe that Kaepernick was blackballed out of the league. I, I think you said that. Yes, I do. Yeah. Yeah. I believe he was blackballed out of the league. Absolutely. And I, I believe anyone that thinks otherwise is delusional. He was blackballed out of the league. And I said that was wrong. And I felt that that was a, uh, a, a big injustice to him. I've always said that, but again, you know, it's just like the Donald Sterling thing. You know, people say, well, gee, I yeah. supported Donald Sterling. No, I didn't support Donald no. Sterling. I said, <laughs> Right. You know, you probably remember yeah. it better than I, 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 I remember line by line. You said that. How could somebody be li like this when he has employed so many minorities? That's what you said. Yeah. So you right. didn't and say I, exactly. what you said. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, no, it's a again, joke. You know, it's a joke. Yeah. It's well, I mean, it's it's the world of social media. So so would you ever consider, you know, if you got the opportunity to to commentate again or, or do you think you're just going to write off? Yes. The sunset? Okay. No, I would always, I would, I would love to commentate again. Absolutely. Um, yeah. My door is open and I'm keeping all my options open. And if that opportunity arises, yes, I would jump right back in, in a heartbeat. And, and I'm not a big, uh, big Stephen A. Smith fan because I don't like some of his takes, you know, uh, but the way he defended Mad Dog Russo about, you know, that ridiculous a thing about, you yeah. know, um, what was that, Draymond? I, I think it was Draymond that said it. Yeah, yeah it was Draymond Green. Yep. Yeah. And I think that I went online and, and I saw a video of, because Mad, uh, Mad Dog has his radio show and that's where Stephen A. Smith came yep. on and completely yep. defended him. If Doug would have done that to you, it would have been a I, different I would have, Yep, it would have been different and he didn't. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's unfortunate. You're speaking of Stephen A. I played in Chris Russo's member guest golf tournament uh, last month in yeah. Shorehaven, Connecticut. And I asked yeah. Chris about that. And he said, hey, Stephen A is a great guy. He said, yeah, I know he goes a lot of people that, you know, but he said, he goes, listen, if you could spend an hour with Stephen A. Smith, you would love him. He's a great person. He's got a big heart. And um, so Chris and him have a great, great uh, friendship. But he also said he's a great guy. And I'm like, man, I'm really happy to hear that. I've met Stephen A. I met Stephen A a number of times. And he knew me. We used to talk when he was at the Philadelphia Inquirer before it was ever on TV. And I found him to be a very enjoyable person to talk to as well. Now he's a, a mega star. But Chris said to me, he goes, no, nah, Stephen, Stephen's good, per, good people. And I'm like, man, I'm really happy to hear that. Yeah. And, and what, and I went, went back and watched the clip, you know, all Mad Dog was said was shut up and play. 
Because I remember that yep. game one um, when when he got yep. a double flagrant, Andrew Agudelo was telling him the same thing. You know, to Draymond when he was, you know what he was doing. It's like, dude, yes. just shut up and get out of here. Like, you know, yeah, because yeah, and Draymond does need to shut up and go because he almost cost him. A, he he already cost him a final championship, right? Uh, back in yep. twenty whatever yep. eighteen. Yeah. Yep. So. Yeah. So, all right. Well, hey, listen, uh, man, your call was phenomenal. I listen. You call again. I know you've called in the past a couple of times, but your phone call today was unfreaking believable, and I greatly appreciate it. Well, I listen to your show almost every day. I appreciate it. Have a so, great weekend. Uh, yeah. All right. You too. Why? What a memory he has. That's unbelievable. Lucky Land Casino asking people, "What's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?" Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office, more than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Wow. Unbelievable. All right, let's get to a couple more phone calls here on this, uh, what has turned into a great show. Eli, how are you today? Hey, Grant. How are you, man? I'm good, buddy. Hey, I don't think I can follow up, you know, with Ryan or Wakas. Those are just fascinating, fascinating calls to listen to. And, I've, you know, just <laughs> thank you. Very, <laughs> very interesting stuff. So, yeah, I mean, Grant, like, you know, I, I've been obviously listening to you for a long time. And, you know, I was obviously also very kind of I don't know if I want to use the word hurt, but also very affected by what happened to you and especially with Doug. So do you ever think that you know, you might get some closure on that one day, or would you like some if you can get some? Are you kind of speculating on the situation with him being cowardly? Well, he's going to have to he's he's going to have to reach out to me because I'm not reaching out to him. I can promise yeah. you that. And then I would uh, it would it would it would only be determined after I heard what he had to say. Then yeah. I, I would I I can't answer that question right now. Yeah. Do you feel like you've gotten any closure from anyone else other than Doug um, on any of the other situations that have happened in the last two years or is that are some chapters just closed at this no, point? No, I don't have clo- no, I don't have closure. Absolutely not. Um I don't I don't have closure. Nope. I don't. And that's a real uh sense of bitterness for me that I don't have closure. Yeah. I understand. I would feel the same way as you. That's yeah, that's highly unfortunate. I I'm hoping in the next few years, you know, when things maybe things will settle down one day and maybe um some people will come out of the woodwork or you know, there'll be some reckoning and you'll be back here before we know it. <laughs> You never know. You never know, Eli. You never know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's all I had for you today, Grant. But, okay. Um, have a great I weekend. I appreciate it, buddy. <laughs> you have a great weekend yourself. Thank all you right. very much. All right. Be well. Take care. All right. Let's go move along. And uh, we're going to get to Jerry right here on Listen Up. Hey, Jerry. 
Hey, Grant. Fantastic show today. Uh, wow. It's just, you know, a lot of interesting calls. And uh, Grant, let me ask you something. When you first started your podcast and you said it's been a very hard couple of months, uh, you realize who your friends are in life, those who you thought were your friends that are not. Were you speaking of Doug at that time? Yeah, he was in the conversation. I wasn't singling him out, but he was one of the people I was speaking about. Yes. Oh, Grant, I, um, I remember driving home from work and hearing Jason Ross read that statement from Bonneville. And just on the whole ride home, Grant, I was, I mean, I could not believe my ears that you were no longer going to be on the air. And I mean, uh, even when I got home, my wife's like, uh, what's the matter? I said nothing. She's like, babe. And, and I told her and, uh, and just over, I mean, all lives matter, every single one. And I still don't understand to the day, Grant, that all lives, every single one, we all matter, Grant. We all matter. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Well, that's why I'm suing Bonneville. That's why I have well, a lawsuit sir, in federal court. I hope you get yep. the, the big, big bucks, Grant. Have a good weekend. You know what friend. I want? I, I, want yes. I want my name vindicated. That's what I want. Uh, I want my name vindicated. Obviously, I want to be compensated for what I've lost. But um, first and foremost, I want my name cleared. That's what I want. And Grant, before Eli, um, I was going to ask you the same thing, too, that if Doug called you and he, if he apologized to you, uh, would you would would you would have accepted his apology? And then you said that he, you, you want to hear what he would have to say first. But I just can't believe that that knowing someone for that long uh, with the friendship that he was just quiet. Uh, I mean, that's that's very sad. Very sad. Thanks, Jerry. Appreciate your phone call. You have a great weekend. Grant, you do the same. Thank you. you know, thank you, buddy. I'm a compassionate person. You know, I believe in apologies, I, uh, but I, uh, they need to be sincere. You know, they need to be sincere. All right, let's get to uh, some more phone calls. It's been a great show today, and uh, we say hello to Jeff. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Grant. I'm getting in late. I was up at the ranch. I had no service. Up there by Bullock's Bar, up in the foothills. Well, you missed a great show. This show today has been unbelievable. Wow. So make sure I'm you go gonna, back and listen gonna, to it. Yeah, I'm going to go back and let. We just got in the cell phone. Anyways, uh, did you talk about who the king signed today? No. Matthew Delavega. <laughs> oh yeah, Delavadova. I know. I had mentioned that last week that I had heard that they were going to sign him. So yeah. They they signed him today. And uh, looks like, uh, what do you think? Did you talk about Julio Jones going to the Buccaneers? No, we haven't talked really that much sports today. Everything that we've been talking about today has been uh, kind of uh, off the field and off playing surface. But we can. Listen, Julio Jones is not the same receiver that he was in Atlanta. I think he'll help the Bucs. But, I mean, he's not the Julio Jones that I think we're, when we hear his name, he's one of the great receivers uh, over a period of time. He's not that guy anymore. Well, he'll make a three. I mean, well, he'll make up for that dumbass Antonio Brown. Well, yeah, no, listen, he can play. He can play, but I just don't. He's not a Pro Bowl caliber receiver anymore. No, no, no. Well, they they got Godwin and uh, who who's the other Mike Evans? Mike Evans and uh, Chris Godwin. Yeah. Yeah. So they've got two good receivers. I mean, Tom, Tom Brady. I mean, Jesus Christ, that guy. He loses Gronkowski, but I don't know who they're going to play at tight end. Yeah, they'll be all right. They got Tom Brady, and, you know, to me, they're still going to – excuse me, they're the best team in that division. But, you know, again, picking up Julio Jones is a good move, but he's not hes not the Julio Jones of a couple of years ago. 
So, well, listen, do me a favor. Go back and listen to this show. I think you're going to really like it. I, 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 I will. De- I always do that. I definitely will. Now I know how to get to your your website and pull up all Good. the old ones. And I'm trying to get a hang of it all. And I did listen to your podcast earlier today with with Nan. Is it Nanu? Uh, yep, Nando. Nando, Nando from Miami, and he was very gracious and grateful of all the help that you gave him. And he explained how he started and got his equipment and his wife. And you support him, and you told him to get rhythm, and he, he was very gracious. So I thought that was a very cool, very cool uh, deal. Awesome. Have a great weekend, Jeff. Thank you very much for your support. All right. All right. Appreciate it. All right, buddy. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Let's get to uh, John uh, again, and then this will be the last call of the show today. So we'll get you all for the weekend. Hey, John, I'll let you wrap up the show for me. Grant, can you hear me? Yes, sir. Holy crap, man. I kind of figured that's how it went with Doug. But man alive, I wished it wouldn't have went that way. You know what I mean? Because he freaking did not have your back, Grant. And he should have had your fucking back against DeMarcus and Chris. And that's bullshit. And he should have done it. And his lips were closed. And every last few games I went to, his lips were freaking closed. And I was pissed off. And Grant, keep doing what you're doing. Keep doing what you're doing. And Doug Thank pisses you, me off now more so than ever. John, good hearing from you. You have a great weekend, all right? Thanks for the comments, man. Be good. Do the same, Grant. Thank Take you very easy. much. I'm sorry that I'm so upset. It's all right, buddy. I appreciate you. You take care. Good stuff right there. Well, that was a good 90-minute show today. Man, that was a great show today. I cannot thank everyone enough for all the phone calls today all the support, and real life talk. That's another thing I love about this app. You know, we don't just have to talk about Julio Jones and the Bucks, and we can talk about stuff that really matters in life. And that if you missed the story on Doug Adler, go to the newyorkpost.com or Google Phil Mushnick, M-U-S-H-N-I-C-K. Just read that story that he wrote on Doug Adler. It's unbelievable. And if you want to hear Doug Adler's story, just Google Grant Napier with Doug Adler, and you can listen to the podcast that I had with him. I want to say it was January of last year, I believe. Go listen to it. It's a fascinating conversation. Have a phenomenal weekend. Remember, Monday, I will be on at 3 o'clock Pacific on Monday. Thanks for a great show. Thanks for a great week. This week has been phenomenal. I really appreciate everyone. Have a great weekend, everybody. So long. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.